Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. All right. All right. That's great. What? <laughs> Wait what? a minute. That you no. told? No. No, you, it's my no, day. You, sold, you said this Sunday you no. gave it to me. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. That was part of the deal. What deal? The deal we made. That deal was in your head, well, but it never made it to your heart. That's true. It's, it's in there a lot what? like that. But, well, the only way I think that we could settle this. Hey, guys. Right here. Oh, all right. We can settle this real okay. easy, right? Okay. Here. All right. Cool. Okay, we're going to toss a coin. All right. The lady is head. The eagle is tail. The lady is head. All right. The eagle is tail. Okay. I see it. Since you're the senior guy here, we're going to let you do it. Heads. Heads. <laughs> Call us heads. It's tails. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, man, I'm getting preached I today. I don't think so. What? No. I'm still the head guy. Sorry. Right. Better, better luck next time. Good luck to you today. Thanks, buddy. You're going to do great. Although he gave me a deflated football. I wonder if that's symbolic of anything going to happen today. We are, it's a, it's a good day. And, and thanks to these, the, Mike and Clinton helping us out here today. And they, uh, they reminded me that uh, we're always, they're always looking for more guys to referee and, and help us settle these things out. So if you have any interest in that, be sure and, and talk to them or somebody and see about that as well. We're here uh, kicking off this, uh, as we continue our series here of Believe. And um, uh, I, I want to just ask a question. Well, this thing is all of a sudden decided it doesn't like my passcode. So watch this. I hope it doesn't. There we go. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> it's, it's up. It's good. We're good. You go ahead, Mike. Thank you. Besides, he's wearing Brady. I don't, I don't know. I mean, look, look. Although I gotta say, I thought this was an original. All right, some of you have been copying me. That's that's the only thing I can figure. How many how, how many of you are in, uh, in in believe groups? Raise your hand. Look, a lot of folks. How many of you are have a journal and, and reading in the journal? All right. And how many of you are in worship today? Look at there. We're hundred percent. Way to go. Way to go. Well, those are all important and, and helpful in this, in this journey together, uh, and they make a difference. God, I believe, is using that and working in and through those things, so I'm, we're glad you're, those of you are joining it, and there's still an opportunity. It's not too late to join a group or, or whatever, and we'll hear more about that in a little bit. The question from our video, though, is really what we're looking at right now and that some of our folks answered is really important, and, and in fact, it's our key question this morning. Does God care? about me, about me personally, about you personally. Last week, our key idea was that uh, the God of the Bible is the only true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But just because we, we believe that doesn't require us to believe that God is a good God, a God who cares about us. In fact, when bad things happen to good people, we struggle with why God would allow something like that to happen. In fact, some people who've had that kind of experience conclude that either God doesn't really exist or 
He doesn't really care. Uh, Rabbi Harold Kushner's son died many years ago, and afterwards he wrote a book some of you have heard of called Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? And, and in it, he considered a third possibility. In the book, he raised up three claims. He said God is all-powerful, God is good, and yet evil exists. And, and he recognized that not just from theology, but he, in fact, he recognized it because of what had happened in his son's death. And that left him to wrestle that evil to him was apparent, but what do you do about these two claims about God? Because they don't seem like they go together. And he finally concluded that they could not exist side by side, that God is good and God is all-powerful. And so after examining it all, Kushner in his book came to the conclusion that God therefore must not be all-powerful. Thing is, that flies in the face of many of the claims of the Bible. But Kushner, in his grief and his hurt, wasn't trying to hold together the truths of the Bible. He was trying to rationalize and work through his own situation, which any of us would, would, would understand and recognize. And that's tough. And any of us who have faced tragedy, and, and I know many of you have. I know some of your stories. I don't know all your stories. But any of you have can sympathize with Kushner, who, sh who shows us why it's important, therefore, to think through our beliefs together, side by side, not to take them in isolated ways, because our beliefs have consequences. And the testimony of Scripture is that not only that the Lord God is the one true God and all-powerful, but that he is good. He is good, and in fact, he is loving and compassionate toward us, from creating us, which, if you think about it, God was under no obligation to create you and me. God was under no obligation for us to come into existence. And if you believe God has a hand in that, if you do not believe it is random chance, then you have to, you have to back up and look at this and, and say, this is an act of grace, in fact, as we sung. And, and th that he... He saved the Hebrews from slavery that wasn't their fault. And he sent Jesus to die for our sins that, that we committed. The Bible demonstrates and, in, and claims over and over again that God does love us. God does care for each one of us. Scripture puts it this way, Psalm 86.5, O Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. Psalm 100, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations, not just in biblical times, not even just up to today, but until the end of time. In Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died us not after we were doing good while we were still sinners jesus told the story what's come to be called the prodigal son where a, a son demanded his share of his inheritance in fact he told his father in, in demanding his inheritance he was in effect saying to your, his father you're dead you're dead to me you no longer matter to me i no longer care about you therefore give me what will someday be rightly mine i want it now and the father who could have, I mean, been really hurt by it, and probably was, was gracious. 
gave him his inheritance, let him go off to a far country where he squandered all of his money. Soon he was broke. Finally, the scripture says he came to himself and decided to return home, hoping that his father would hire him back as a servant, that he did not deserve to come back as a son because he had treated his father so horribly. And Jesus suggested this is the way that, in fact, we may treat our heavenly father sometimes, that we ignore him, that we don't trust him, that we don't believe him, that we act as if he's dead or irrelevant. But God is good, and he does not treat you and me as we deserve. In Luke 15, 20, it says, the prodigal son returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. This father, Jesus tells us, really is a picture of God the Father and his love for us, who who is not out to just point fingers and say, see what you did wrong? I caught you doing that, and, and that's a terrible mistake, that's a terrible sin, but instead seeks a personal, ongoing relationship with each of us. That, that he actively enters into our lives as he, as he did with Adam and Eve, whom he walked with in the garden, to Moses, whom he met face to face, to David, to, his, to the first disciples, all the way up to us today. He, he's not a God who simply wound up the universe, created it, and said, there you go, and just let it run and stood back and admired his work and did nothing at all. But it continually works in and through his creation in subtle and, and sometimes overt ways to build relationships with people and transform lives. That leads to this week's key idea that I believe God is involved in and cares about my daily life, about your daily life. And our key verse today is from Psalm 121 where the writer says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The the maker of everything, the maker of all that he can see and perceive, he feels and believes that he himself, individually, personally, can call upon him. He looks up to his creator in, in, in the psalm and through other scriptures, we see some, some key concepts of the qualities of God. First, that God is above and independent from his creation. And we call that transcendence. In other words, he's not, he and God is not the same thing as, as, as our existence or our, as creation. There's some Eastern religions that, that say God and, and, and existence are one and the same. But God instead is this great God, this mighty God, this infinite God, El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty, the scripture says. In Isaiah 55, the Lord says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And and so as we reflect on that, there's this awe and, and this majesty and greatness and holiness and righteousness that that we see that is so far above us, that is so 
alien in some ways to us, that all he, he, he is above all he created. He's in no way bound by, by anything he created, by time, by nothing. When, when he created the universe, it wasn't like that was the edge of existence. It was already standing outside of that. And yet, he chooses to reveal himself to us, his created. The unknown seeks to be known. Psalm 8, one of my favorite psalms, David wrote, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? You look out at the night sky, which is what David did. And, and he believed God was greater than all he could see. Today, 3,000 years later, through telescopes, through the Hubble, through soon to be launched the James Webb, which I got to see a model of it downtown if you were there this week from NASA. They're, they're showing us that the universe is so much bigger and greater than we can know, than we can imagine, that we can see, that, that it may be that even soon we may be able to see the edge of the universe. But even that doesn't explain or draw the boundaries on God who is greater than anything, this transcendent God who is not only separate from and above his creation, but at the same time, he chooses, as he looks at all of creation, he chooses to draw near to each one of us, which is the second key quality of God, that God is near and present with his creation, what theologians call imminence. He is transcendent. He is imminent. He is above creation, but he chooses to enter into it and engage it, coming down to our level to meet us where we are in whatever is going on in our lives, whatever mess, in fact, there may be, and care about us. Psalm 121 continues. He will not let your foot slip. Imagine, he, has, he, he knows that much detail. He can see the universe, but he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. This Lord came to Abraham. He, he revealed himself to Moses. He guided Israel through the wilderness. And he, he was with the Jews even as they went into exile, as their, as their temple and their nation was destroyed. He was with them. And the ultimate example is God the Father sending his son who emptied himself to become flesh and blood to become one of us in order to help us understand that he is with us. The angel of the Lord said to Joseph, the father of Jesus, 
the earthly father. He said, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It had been prophesied 700 years earlier, and it came to pass that God, who is above it all, chose to come into our midst. You know, just over a month ago, we celebrated Christmas, which is kind of the ultimate picture of God's imminence, of his nearness, of his coming to be with us. And in a couple of months, we're going to celebrate the other big Christian holy day or holiday of Easter, which is the ultimate picture of God's transcendence, that, that not even death could confine him or hold him, that he was above that and resurrected the gift of the Holy Spirit who comes to live in the followers of Jesus Christ. Make this real for each of us. He is with us. But the Bible tells us God comes close for a reason, that God has a plan and, and with wisdom and love, he cares for and directs everything in his creation, everything, including our lives, which they call providence. God saw our lives before we were born, and he already had a plan for each one of us. He, he chose to create us. He had a plan for us. He put our lives into motion. Psalm 139 says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And it wasn't just any plan. Like, okay, yeah, I want them to have a crummy life. It was a good plan, Scripture says. Jeremiah heard the Lord say, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and hope. Now, admittedly, our giving into sin can disrupt that plan. Because God gives us free will. He gives us the ability to make choices. And so sin does, in fact, mar what God is trying to do. But here's the thing. God never stops working. He never gives up on his plan for you and me. He never says, they've gone too far. I'm not going to try anymore. And in fact, God will accomplish his plan, even in us if we trust him. Though we may not see the results this side of heaven, it may not be the results our plan is. But Romans 8, 28 says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Maybe one way to kind of think of this here on Super Bowl Sunday is think of Falcons coach Dan Quinn and Patriots coach Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl who, in a sense, in a very imperfect sense, take on the three qualities that we just mentioned of, of, that God has. He's, first, he's the, they're the transcendent coach. They're up above it all. They, they make the big plans. They have, the, they have those who execute, but they are the ones that stand back and look over their creation as it unfolds, who, that they brought together through drafts and trades. They, they selected each player and coach because they have a plan, a providential plan to, to get to, the, to this game, not simply to win a few games, but to get to this Super Bowl game from the very beginning of the season 
seasons they have constantly worked on. And in working the plan where he requires that this coach becomes this imminent coach, he, he steps out onto the field to come near a player or a group to keep them moving toward this goal. He is res- respected for his accomplishments. But even when he corrects, to, uh, the players listen to him and trust him because they have come to know he cares about each one of them and wants what is ultimately best, even if sometimes it is hard. I mean, can you imagine at the beginning of the season, Quinn or, or Bilicek saying, okay, guys, here, here we are at, at training camp, and I want to make you work hard for a couple of hours, but if it's too much for you, just go ahead and sit down over here. Don't worry. No. To get us, to get his team, to get his plan and and operation, it takes work. And it takes hard work. And it takes sometimes struggling and hurting to get there. And if a player says, I don't want the plan, he's out. I mean, I know this analogy breaks down in several ways. I mean, only one of the coach's plans is going to reach his goal today. There's going to only be one, one winner that they both had a plan for from the beginning. But at the same time, these, these three key concepts of God are at least imperfectly reflected in these two guys. They, they remind us how God is working out all three of these in our lives today, which brings us to our key application. In other words, what difference does this make in, how, in the way I live my life? Why does this matter? Why should I care that God is good and God cares? How can believing that God is a good God, a personal God, and believe it not just up in my head like I have this knowledge, but believe it to the point that I want to live it out through my heart, that it's, it's something I'm convicted by and committed to, how can it guide the way I live my life? First, recognizing that God's ways are higher than our ways. God sees the world. God sees our lives. God sees circumstances. God sees ways forward that we will never see. God sees a big picture. And when you and I get in the middle of it, of a relationship that's struggling or a project at work that's not going right, and we think there's no way through this, there's no way around it, there is a transcendent God above it and, and beyond it who sees the big picture, just as the prophet Isaiah reminded us again, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You and I have all been confronted by situations in our lives where we didn't see an easy solution. We didn't see a way through it. We didn't have an answer. And and we we... We don't know how to go forward sometimes. And we feel helpless and maybe even hopeless. But you and I need to understand that God is above all this. He's seeing the whole story. He's always seeing a way through. Or he is creating a way through for those who are willing to trust him. Thy will be done on earth, Jesus told us to pray as it is in heaven. His will will be done. He stands outside of time. He created all there is. Is there anything, the scriptures, is there anything too hard for the Lord? 
He has already written the end of the story and, and, and he provides us the wisdom, the love, the help we need, which we read in God's word, which is why it's so important to spend time in God's word, to remind us when I feel lost, when I feel like I don't see a way forward, to read about the Hebrews who came up against the Red Sea and Pharaoh is chasing there's no way forward. And then suddenly, the waters part. And God had that plan all along. But they couldn't see it. And we will not always see it. But we can trust him that we can be, through his love and grace, more than conquerors through him who loved us. We can be confident about this because our all-powerful God knows us and loves us and even cares about you and me, about who you are, about what, whatever you're in today. Jesus, the Son of God, our Emmanuel, came to help us understand that, that God really does know. He really does understand. He's, he's not way out there somewhere, and he doesn't comprehend your thoughts and your problems in life today, but in fact... He has always known, and in Jesus, he has come to experience it firsthand. And even more, because of his love for us, the Bible says he cares so much that, that he even weeps alongside us when he sees us hurting and sad, even if he sees the way through. He, he understands our hurts. It says in Romans 8, if God is for us then, who can ever be against us. It's not that, that there aren't people against us or, or could be, but, but, but against an infinite God, an all-powerful God, who really can be against us if he's on our side? It says, since he did not spare even his own son but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? He understands the big things we face, but he also sees the seemingly small things that leave us often feeling anxiety and worry so much so that jesus said therefore i tell you don't do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body what you will wear is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes look at the birds of the air they do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not much more valuable than they are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you can, by worrying, add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the, the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, the richest man who ever lived, in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, oh, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, or how am I going to get through this situation, or what am I going to do in this relationship, or is there any hope for me? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I mean, here is the picture of a God who is not out to get you. 
who is not out to catch you making a mistake or catching you in your sin and pointing at you and saying, I've been waiting for that. I've been waiting to zap you. I've been waiting to get you. We feel that way sometimes, but that is the devil attacking us. That is not the God who loves us, who cares about us, who seeks to restore us. And that means God is working out his good plan for our lives. He sees the big picture. He sees where it breaks down. He sees where, where we have, through free will, we have sinned and, and gone in different directions. And he breaks into our lives uh, of us and those who are around us who love him to work all things together for our good because he has a plan. He has a plan for each one of us. In Philippians 1, 6, it says, Paul writes, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until he's tired, until you are tired. No, until it is finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. In other words, until time ends. Until Christ returns, God is not going to give up on his plan for you. He's not going to give up on you. He is going to continue working. You may not work. You may think there's no hope. You may dismiss God. You may not even believe in God. But that does not mean God does not believe in you. We think, you know, sometimes the... the thief on the cross who in that last minute turned his life over to Christ. We think, well, that's so unfair. But you know what God said? Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. He said, I am not giving up until the last moment. I will never quit. I will leave the 99 sheep behind to find the one lost one. Guys, he will never give up on you and me. For the sake of the plan he created for you, a good plan. If, and as we follow Christ, as we trust, he can work that out in us. And that's a challenge. That's a challenge for any of us. And, 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 and part of the challenge is because he typically only shows us the next step. You know, we, um, we would like for him to lay out the whole plan. We would like for him to show all the steps because we're pretty smart. And we think, in fact, we, we, many of us think we could probably figure out a shortcut. We know how to do it. Why doesn't God trust me? Why doesn't God show me more? And it's precisely because he wants us to trust him and only him. He wants us to trust and not presume we know the way because he has infinite possibilities. We can't even think infinitely. And it's hard for us because we want control. How many of us, I'm not gonna even ask you to raise your hand, how many of us in here are control freaks? Okay, some of you just, you got so much control, you gotta raise your hand. It's why, though, it's so important to believe that there is a personal God who loves and cares for us in spite of our plans. Otherwise, when you and I encounter hard times and tough decisions, when it goes against the grain, when it's not part of my plan, when it doesn't make sense, when it is hard, when that, that player at the beginning of, of team workouts says, I didn't have to work this hard in college, when we get to that point, if we don't trust the one in charge that they have a bigger picture, that they see the big picture, and yet they care about us, we'll dismiss it. 
We'll say, well, maybe next time. We have to so believe that the understanding in our minds of what makes sense or what we understand about God becomes the belief of our hearts so that we're willing to trust him, trust what he tells us in his word, no matter what. There was a guy walking along edge of a cliff and some of the, the, the gravel and stuff gave way and he slipped and he started falling off the edge of the cliff. In fact, he went down a few feet and grabbed onto a, a, a limb, a branch coming out of the side of the cliff. And he's hanging there and it is a kind of a sheer cliff. And he, he, he's, he's getting tired. He sees no way to get out of this. And finally he says, help, help. Is, is anybody up there? Is there anybody there? And a voice comes back, yes, I'm here. Oh, thank God, who is it? It's God. I'm here. Lord, you gotta help me. I, I, I'm, I'm running out of strength. I don't know how I'm gonna hang on much longer. It's, it, it, it's, it's really hard. Do you trust me? Well, of course I trust you, Lord. Of course I trust you with my life. Then let go. What? Just let go. Lord, um, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> See, everything we're doing in this believe journey is to help you and me believe God. Not just understand, though that's important, but where it moves from our head to our heart so that we increasingly live and believe and act as Jesus did. Even if the world around us says it's crazy, even if they say that doesn't make any sense. That's why being in a believe group is so valuable uh, and important. You may not be feeling it. Some of you haven't done it. You're thinking, why should I do that? And yet, Maybe God is saying, trust me. You're saying, is there anything else? And he's saying, let go. Come in. Be a part. Let me work in your life. I got word just this morning before the early service that um, we're right at just, just under 100 groups. But um, I was told that we have... Uh, few of you formed a Facebook group. And so if, if going out or becoming part of a group is hard, you can join a Facebook Believe group. And they can tell you out in the Next Steps area how to do that. That may be what you need to do. Or you need to join a group or go online. It's not too late. You can still do that. We would love for you to do that. He's calling us to trust him and walk with him in these coming weeks through groups, through, through the daily readings in, in our journal. Just today, page 22, I, 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 I did mine. God's very names indicate that he is a personal God, shepherd, father, and friend. And it, was a, it only took me a few minutes to do it, but it was a great, it was a great teaching and, and spoke to me. And it made me write some things down that I hadn't thought about.
you can still get those out there as well, the Believe Bundle and, uh, and worship. I mean, you're here today. 100% of you are here today. Keep on keeping on because this is a journey that God has called all of us into. And in just a few minutes, we're gonna be serving, after the, after the service, we're gonna be serving communion here. And, and it's a gift Jesus gave us to remember all he did for us. It's amazing how many times in the Bible it says remember, because we forget. It's not that we're bad necessarily, we forget. And communion is a gift. And if you wish to participate in that, we'd, uh, it'll only be three or four minutes after the end of the service. Um, if you need to go pick up your kids and Gateway Kids, please go do that first and you can bring it back and move down here to the floor area uh, and have a seat. And, and uh, Pastor Tom will be beginning that uh, in, just, in just a few minutes. Um, our prayer team will also be here immediately after the service further out and they would love to pray with you if, if some of this, if you've got questions about some of this or just about something else in your life. And if you're a guest today, I'd, I'd love to meet you afterwards in the lobby. I'll be out here with some friends and would love to, to say hello. You know, our, our eternal coach sees the big picture, sees everything. And at the same time, he knows each one of us individually, personally. And he knows how important each of us is for the game he has laid out. That each of us has a part in this Super Bowl of life. That only 22 on a side can play this afternoon. But in this Super Bowl, every one of us has a role, has a part that matters, that makes a difference. And he has a game plan that is guaranteed to win. At the end of the game, there won't be any question about the score. God is victorious. And if we trust him and execute our part in each play, we will join in the celebration. We will see the confetti fall. We will enjoy the music and the celebration and the party, which will not end later tonight at NRG, but will go on forever and ever. And so whether you're playing the game really well right now or you're struggling, or if you feel like you may be falling off a cliff and are barely hanging on, remember what the psalmist said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Let's pray. God, help us to grab your hand. Help us to trust you. That, that we can believe that you, a God who created all there is, that, that even our most powerful telescopes cannot see the extent of your creation. And yet at the same time, you care about each one of us personally. It's so much so that you have a plan for our lives, a plan, a part of the bigger picture, a plan in which you win plan, when we look at Revelation 22, the last book of the Bible, we see it there that you are victorious. May we trust you and join you in that. May we trust that you see all, 
and yet you are with us and that you care about our lives. May we trust that so much that we live for you today and tomorrow. We take a next step, whatever it is, whatever you lay before us, to follow you so that we can join in at the party at the end. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.